Today is Thursday, October 13th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Governor Newsom signs a bill in California that would punish doctors for spreading misinformation. We'll have that story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, to get through the news of the cray, as we call it, Tregons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire on this Friday, Junior. What's going on, guys? Yeah, we're, we're here. We're living the dream, as always. I'm excited to <laughs> yes, dive into the news. Indeed. We're just trucking through the week together. <laughs> trucking through i mean you got uh, look honestly the level of excitement i'm feeling right now it's just uh it's a coffee. it's all it's the all way coffee. up to a four out of ten right I, i'm gonna well, say i'm an eight today. <laughs> coffee, i'm good to it's, go you know it's great to be alive at, at 7 a.m yeah. on this uh yes. on this morning, uh, this this Thursday Junior, morning. Yeah. look it could be worse uh, this is on this day in history guys 33 chilean workers were rescued after 69 days in a mine you remember that that was about 12 years ago I do. I, could you? I, who? I would go insane that long yeah, trapped in the claustrophobia. It's yeah. when you really drill down and think about it, it is insane. I couldn't I was do it. I in an elevator for an hour and I couldn't handle it. So <laughs> I... <laughs> and it reminds me, you should watch 13 Lives if you have not watched it yet. It's about those soccer kids who were in Thailand who were trapped in a, in a cave. And it's an incredible, incredible story. So, but I digress. We'll get to the things we're actually going to talk about today. And coming up on the main thing, just weeks after President Biden said a strike was avoided, rail workers have rejected the latest offer on the table. Is there another strike looming? John Stolness has the details. First, we're going to go through the news here in 90 seconds. A former United States ambassador for religious freedom says Chase Bank abruptly closed an account associated with his nonpartisan faith-based nonprofit organization with little explanation. It's called the National Committee for Religious Freedom. And according to Sam Brownback, the bank decided to end their relationship and close the account after only three weeks. They were told the decision was made at the quote unquote corporate level and it was final and non-revocable. Willie Spence, runner up on last year's season of American Idol, died Tuesday in a car accident just Hours before the fatal crash, the 23-year-old singer posted a video of himself singing a worship song. American Idol graduate Catherine McPhee, who competed on the show in 2006, said, Life is so unfair and nothing is ever promised. God rest your soul, Willie. It was a pleasure to sing with you and to know you. And Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed California Assembly Bill 2098, making it the first state to attempt to censor what physicians can say about COVID-19 to their patients. The bill empowers the Medical Board of California to go after any doctor who spreads what they call misinformation, with the government being the ultimate arbiter of what's true and what isn't. Those are just some of the headlines today that you can check out over at CBNNews.com. Guys, that last story with Gavin Newsom there and this California Assembly bill, it happened a few days ago and it kind of flew under the radar. That is quite the bill, and I don't know that it's going to hold up even in California to to legal scrutiny. Uh, you know, California has always been that state next to New York where people will crack jokes about the way that culture is and the way that laws are there. But the last six to eight months, it seems like every week there's a shocking piece of legislation being yeah. signed into law. And I agree with you. I don't know that that 
first of all, it shouldn't stand. I don't know that it will stand, but it'll be interesting to see because you do have a lot of people there in California who are more on the conservative side as well and who are not going to you know, stand by while these sorts of things happen. Yeah, no, it's interesting, particularly given California and the, the number of people who, particularly since COVID, have left the state of California because of some of this craziness, right? Not only how they reacted to COVID, but just the general thrust of where California is going. A lot of them are leaving and going to Texas. So yet we have legislators still pushing bills that are, you know, wild. So it's it's, it's just an interesting culture, like you said, Billy, in New York and in California. Uh, they, they kind of seem otherworldly at times. Otherworldly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast and on the network, but this is very concerning, this trend. I, I don't know how Again, I'll say it again, how people don't see the problem with making the government the arbiter of what's true and what's not true. I mean, this is exactly what George Orwell was warning about with the, um, you know, the uh, Ministry of Truth. When you put them in charge of it, what is to stop them from abusing it? And it's, it's just it's just a disturbing trend. And, you know, that it's if that is allowed and that trend grows, it's only a matter of time before Christian ideals and biblical references are deemed hateful conduct or misinformation or something along those lines. Well, we've done a pretty terrible job of educating people on what the First Amendment really means. Yeah. You know, everything from the separation of church and state down to free speech, people really don't get it. And it used to be laughable. Oh, ha, 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 here are these kids, you know, at this university, somebody puts a mic in their face and they sound crazy, right? Yeah. But now, unfortunately, the, that small group of kids is everybody in the country. And like nobody yeah. seems to get it. Well, see, that's the unfortunate thing is we spend all this time making fun of the safe spaces kind of snowflake culture that's in universities. Uh, but now those people are are what? They're leading corporations. They're running for political office because they were they were taught that these were really good values. This was the way to live. Uh, and now they're trying to uh, you know expand that into the, the real world. Uh, and we're all, you know, unfortunately having to, to live under that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we used to be able to have our differing opinions and just let bygones be bygones after that, but no more, it seems. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's head into our next story here, and we've got some some rather uh, bold comments here from Kathy Lee Gifford, and she uh, she is unafraid to speak out about her faith. I'll say that, guys. She she does that often and unashamedly, it seems. So. Um, Billy, what is what did she say about marriage? Yeah, it's interesting. She showed up in an interview with Fox News and she was talking about how God loves marriage. That was an actual quote. Uh, she called marriage a holy alliance. Now, before I continue, she was responding, it seems like, to the whole, um, you know, Brady and Giselle divorce rumors, that whole story, uh, but didn't really talk about them. She talked more importantly about how important marriage is. She said God instituted marriage for a reason, for a purpose. Family is so important to God, she said. And then this is the interesting part. Marriages are under attack. Monogamy is under attack. And that's just sort of the you know piece of what she said, but clearly very bold in favor of, of God's design for marriage. Yeah. And I said she that she says things and she speaks out boldly a lot. Why, why would you why would you categorize this one as bold? 
I think it's bold because, you know, the idea that monogamy is under attack right now, culture is moving in a direction of it started with be with whoever you want to be with, have whatever kind of relations you want to have. It doesn't need to be within marriage. That's now moved into conversations about multiple partners, multiple people in relationships. You know, culture's on this crazy slippery slope. And so for somebody of her stature and caliber to speak out in this way and, you know, somebody who's had her, her own marital history that, you know, had a lot of attention with her late husband, Frank Gifford, and the struggles they overcame. I think it's particularly bold, especially when people could misread what you're saying, maybe, or look deeper into what you're saying and try to cancel you. So I, I really appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like you said, all these ideas that are going around now, polyamorous relationships is something that's being pushed. A thruple. Uh, that's yeah, the other a thruple. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm old. I'm old enough to remember when they said the slippery slope was nothing to worry about, and here we are with thruples and polyamorous relationships getting all the uh, all the feels treatment. Um, so, but what did she say about her faith that gives a lens into why she's so open, as we were saying, on issues like marriage? Yeah, we actually spoke with her recently as well, and she talked about how every project she does now has something to do with faith. She's done musical projects, she's made films, and that she has plans to do that for the rest of her life. She said her faith in this most recent interview with Fox is the essence of everything she is as a person. And then she went on as, as a really good Christian who understands what faith really means. She went on to say she doesn't have a religion, she has a relationship with a living God that is 24 seven. And I thought, I thought that was a really powerful thing. Again, a bold thing to say for somebody in the position she's in. Yeah. And guys, I just say too, and I'm listening to these comments, good for her. And I think it's important as Christians to speak out on this kind of stuff, because we've talked about on this podcast, how basic truths are being challenged. Like people used to just accept that marriage was kind of the ideal, right? A, to have a, um, you know, monogamous relationship and to, uh, commit to husband and wife used to be just kind of understood. Now, as we were saying, all those things are questioned. And so we have to explain these things. And sometimes the only way you can do that is by pointing to God. Because why, as as Christians, why is um, marriage important? It's because it's reflective of God and, and, you know, Christ and the church and of the Trinity together. There's so many parallels, so many, um, you know, kind of ways that they mirror one another and so we've got to point people to that as Christians and not just live in this space where it's just kind of understood, but nobody really says why. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like, I, I think there's, you, there are obviously a number of reasons why people might be delaying marriage. So that's one thing. But then the fact that our culture generally doesn't value marriage at all, like you were saying, I think is, is such a problem. I was just looking up some stats before we started taping. Uh, this is from Pew Research. So it, many years ago in 1990, the, the number of adults from 25 to 54 who are married uh, was 67% but then it fell to 53% in 2019. Uh, so clearly we're on the decline and not only, like I said, people delaying marriage, but then choosing not to get married at all because they don't understand the value of it. And yeah. I think uh, as you were saying, uh, Dan, it's critical that we as Christians communicate what's the point of marriage, yeah. right? Because if people don't understand the purpose of marriage, which is to model Christ and his relationship with the church and to procreate and all of those things, then there's there's not really this enticing desire to to pursue that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if people aren't understanding the basics of something like the First Amendment, how are they going to understand the deeper things that that really matter? But And we shouldn't joke about it because it matters so deeply. You know, again, we laughed this off for so long and here we are and we're, we're at sort of the precipice of cultural chaos now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. And again, the answer is the answer ultimately is Christ and pointing to the things of Scripture. And so, as everything's getting more and more chaotic, I think it gives us an easier chance to point to how God wants things to be. And and then look, people are going to do what they're going to do. I mean, we can't control that, but the least we can do is point to truth and um, the way God designed things. So, thanks for that one, Billy. Thanks for that story. We're going to head into the main thing right now and. Will there be a rail worker strike, which would add even more chaos to an already tumultuous economy? Well, John Stolness talked to Dr. Jeff Heyman from Cedarville University. He's a professor of economics there and the dean of the School of Business about the possibility of a rail worker strike uh, in the wake of one of the unions involved refusing to ratify the agreement that Biden helped broker last month with the rail companies. That's today's main thing. So, Dr. Heyman, when union leaders came to an agreement last month with rail companies, with the Biden administration helping to urge the negotiations along, of course, most of us thought that the threat of a strike was over. But obviously, some of the rank and file had big problems with the deal. So who is unhappy with it and why? Well, there's a number of unions that were involved. There's a collaboration uh, they uh, had 11 unions that were part of this this process. Uh, seven of them are still outstanding on votes. Uh, four four unions have uh, have uh, already ratified the, the contracts. There's this uh, uh, one uni- union that uh, has voted against. Excuse me, it's a total of 12, but there's a uh, so so it's just one out of 12 that has has not uh, has voted against it. So that's that's a starting point. It's a lot. It's it's a big deal because one twelfth of rail loading is still a lot, right? But it's not like all rail rail uh, lines will have this feature. But the two largest that are out there still are uh, going to be voting over the, the next month, according to the, the sources that I see. So uh, when we think about this, we have to look at that particular one. It's it's the Brotherhood of, of Maintenance Way Employees Division of the Teamsters. Uh, th- their complaint that they say is, is over compensation and working conditions uh, in part, but it's particularly lack of paid sick days. So that's kind of their beef that they want addressed in this situation as, at a high level. So we've got some unions that have already approved the deal, seven or so that would be four of those, seven of them are still in work with one rejecting. And that's kind of the state of play as we see it today. So forgive me if you don't know the answer to this question, but do they do they not get sick days? I'm, I'm just curious as to the level of, of the working conditions that they're upset about. Uh, they were complaining of a particular lack of paid sick days. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't have the, the specifics of how many days they have currently, how many they would like, but that seems to be the issue for that particular. Got it. So, or, you know. understood, understood. So, the worry, obviously, from all of us is that a strike would occur, and we know how much material, how much, how many goods how reliant we are on the rail system to help keep our economy flowing, how to keep, how important it is for the supply chain in America. And we saw during the pandemic when the supply chain is interrupted, how damaging that can be. So how worried right now should we be about a strike happening sometime soon? Well, I mean, we should, we don't need to, we should be anxious for nothing. Right, right. right. <laughs> it was good. So, so we don't want to worry too much, but it's, it's not insignificant. As, as we said, you know, this is one twelfth. We know uh, that rail is roughly forty percent of our overall transportation in the economy. So we're talking about you know three, three and a half percent roughly uh, of of the overall goods and services are moved by rail. So that's a big deal. 
That being said, we have markets. You know, you, you know that uh, what's going to happen, the real risk for us, of course, is we're already in an inflationary environment. And this is just going to be another thing that would increase costs as alternative and less efficient ways to transport these goods and services. Uh, have, uh, you know, we have to go to that. There is currently uh, some level of excess capacity on, on uh, in truck driving. Uh, that, that said, there's a reason why uh, the bulk of, of heavy kinds of goods, you know, you see the trains with their big shipments of coal and, 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 and agricultural goods and so forth that just aren't economic to, to ship via truck. But you could do it, of course. So, so it's, it's not as efficient. Everything's going to cost more. You're going to have some delays here and there. The real risk that I see is, of course, if this sets a broader trend and some of these other unions, because we said that seven are still to vote, you know. Mm. So uh, there's still a lot that could go wrong. Uh, a nationwide uh, rail strike would be much more destructive. We have had those in the past, of course, and, and Congress and the president of the past have dealt with us, uh, both uh, uh, Bush uh, senior uh, president as, as well as Reagan had issues with rail strikes. And, and they ended up engaging at, at, a, at a Washington, D.C. level to basically get them back to work and order them to go back to work. So those options are always out there if it were to become a significant thing. Uh, in, in terms of shutting down the entire economy, but but nevertheless, it's it's not something that does any of us any good. And it, but it's also not just freight, right? I mean, the the passenger railways would would for in many cases be shut down. Correct? It would it would drastically affect how some people are able to get from here to there, right? Yeah, because uh, one of the unique things is is the railways that ship the uh, the freight have have the, the use of their rail lines. Or by Amtrak and others. So when they go on strike, those are generally closed. That was a uh, in the last big strike with uh, George Bush Sr. That was the issue which really forced uh, the president in Washington D.C. to react, as all the commuters could not go where they wanted to go. So that is it is part of the issue as well. What kind of time frame are we looking at here? Because we know there's this one union that you mentioned, the one out of the twelve that has that has declined, but that there are other unions that are still taking the vote and, and they're going to be counting votes here soon. Would they, would they begin negotiations with this group that, with this group that rejected it, or are they going to wait until everybody has finished voting and kind of see where everybody lands on this thing before they decide to go back to the negotiating table? Uh, short answer. I don't know. <laughs> Best guess, which is a reasonable guess, is they're going to continue on. I mean, they've already got a framework for, for each of these unions. They're going to press on with all those. Uh, I, I would be shocked if, if the ones that are ongoing. In fact, uh, we still have the votes uh, that are outstanding in, in the two largest unions, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, the agreement with the union leaders has already been taking place. It was the workers that rejected it. So those, those votes are ongoing. The two largest are, are over the next several weeks that they would engage. Uh, my expectation is is that they're going to resume negotiations with this particular uh, union that has rejected the deal. I don't know that. I'm not intimately involved with any of that, but that, that's the, the likely course of events. The Biden administration and Sec Labor Secretary Marty Walsh got involved the last time. Do you anticipate them getting involved again? Uh, it's, it's likely. I mean, and that is some of the issue that we have here. Uh, the Biden administration... I think it's important to ask it, and you haven't asked it yet, so I'll just throw it out there. Some of the the the, the reasons why we have this now—that—that's the question. Why is this happening now? I, I'm telling, suggesting it's no coincidence that we are actually having uh, these strikes now, analogous to kind of some of the situation we had in the 1970s uh, in the presence of high inflation, right? 
what's happening across the, the labor markets, even with a robust labor market, people's real wages have declined. And so these unions are, are wanting to catch up in real terms. They don't like the fact that they are working and their paycheck does not go as far as it does. So that, that increases attention. So that's one dimension of why this is happening. And the second is a little bit steer back to your question, why the Biden administration gets, gets involved. The Biden administration has, has heavily been supporting uh, unions in their, their drive to, to force more people to be in unions, a.k.a. what we just saw yesterday with the, the decision on the gig economy, that, those kinds of things. Uh, and, and their nominations to the, the Labor Relations Board and so forth. So there's a, a strong union push right now to be more aggressive. And there's also the, the, the real uh, need by these workers that they're seeing their wages cut because of inflation. So that's all part of, I think, the backdrop of why we're seeing this issue percolate now. And lastly, what about Congress? Have there been calls by anyone involved in this process for, for Congress to get involved in helping to come to a deal or avert a strike or to put some legislation in place that would set some kind of ground rules or some some a bar that has to be set? Well, we have existing laws out there. I, I'm a short answer. I am not aware of calls for Congress to get involved yet. Uh, the historical president precedent is, yes, in previous rail strikes, Congress and the president were both involved in passing a quick bill to uh, to do that. There are existing laws out there that, that govern this process. Uh, you know, markets work right now, even even markets where you have union leaders and companies. It's it's not clear at all that you need congressional action to solve this problem. Uh, it, the issue is whether whether it's in the interest of the political uh, side of the House to say we want to solve this problem more urgently than maybe the markets would lead to this uh, resolution. So I, I would not be surprised. I especially expect that uh, we're rolling into an election uh, cycle. And, and my expectation is that, however, the president sees this as advantageous. He will uh, try to do things to, to have some good news events, not bad, heading into the election. And clearly, this is not a good news event for the American public writ large, uh, nor even for labor. I'm sure labor would just love to have a, a nice contract and be have it signed. So obviously where we are in the calendar may have an effect on movement one way or the other and involvement from the Biden administration. And either way, it sounds like this still has a few weeks left to go before there's any kind of any kind of reason why anybody would need to worry. And like you mentioned, we should not be anxious about anything, but uh, certainly something that uh, we need to be be keeping an eye on, at least over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Dr. Jeff Hammond, Cedarville University Professor of Economics and Dean of the School of Business. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right, John, thank you so much for that conversation. It leaves us with time for one last thing today, guys. And we're going to head over to Matthew 19 and pick it up. In verse 4, where Jesus says, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So, guys, I mean, just in light of Kathy Lee's comments and really culture's just kind of confusion about marriage, it's good to go to the words of Jesus and see what he says about it. Yeah. It's important for us to, I think, you know, go back to that because that's our framework, right? As believers yeah. and, you know, that's how we have to approach everything. 
Yeah. And I think marriage is countercultural for so many reasons, but I think two of the big ones is we live in a self-centered me first culture. So that's, that's one shot uh, against marriage from the secular world. Uh, and then also we we're non-committal, right? Like, why would I commit to something that's forever? Like, why would I ever yeah. do that? Oh, you know, I want to change my mind and, and all that. So I think, you know, marriage is a great example of how we can be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that Kathy Lee said what she said, and I'm glad that we have this verse to reflect on and say, look, ah, this is how we live and how we model Christian marriage in a world that's gone crazy. Yeah. And I think you're right about it being so countercultural because we are selfish beings. We're sinful beings who think of ourselves first, you know, look at a picture of a group that you're in and where do your eyes go? Probably to you first. Uh, usually it's just the way things are. We're, you know, we're sinful creatures. And so when you look at marriage and how we're supposed to act in marriage, it's always about putting the other before yourself. You know, yes, the the Christian um, order of marriage is for the male to be the household leader of that marriage, but you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and you're supposed to live with your wife in an understanding way and honor your wife. And, um, you know, wives are supposed to be, you know, submissive to husbands. And, of course, that's a controversial verse, but uh, in the way that it works within marriage, it's a beautiful thing. But the point is, it goes against our sinful nature, and we have to put ourselves aside and look to the other person first. All right, well, we're going to leave it there, and uh, that is all the time we have for the podcast today. We're going to be rolling into Friday tomorrow, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. As always, head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. God bless.